You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey, Nat, did you know that the FDA doesn't require tampon companies to disclose a list of the ingredients in their tampons? That's pretty horrifying. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so major brands use synthetic ingredients in harsh chemical cleansing agents, whereas Lola is 100% cotton and BPA-free. And for those of you who are a little more environmentally conscious and don't even want to use the applicator, they make applicator lists, they make various sizes, and panty liners for those who want them. And yeah, you can customize your subscription so you can get exactly what you need, you know, in the right sizes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it gets delivered directly to your door so you don't have to worry about like... Lazy girl's dream. Exactly. (laughs) Don't have to worry about running off to the store because they will be there every month at your door. Also, $5 off your first box... Come on, guys. Can't beat that. Pretty exciting. Head on over to trymylola.com slash babes. That's B-A-B-E-S. And start your subscription today. Go, guys. Do it. From Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. And we were going to be recording on some new equipment, but we're (laughs) really inept when it comes to technology. So that's not happening today. Eventually. It's going to happen, though. Stay tuned. Be on the lookout. (laughs) Um, Personally, I think think our audio quality is getting a lot better. I think over time. Yeah. Where where we're at now, we've we've improved quite a bit. (laughs) And a lot of podcasts, I mean, obviously ones that are like very well established and have touring dates and all that, but they have sound editors. Exactly. That are separate from people on the podcast. Our sound editor is Corey. Yeah. That's me. I do that. And I did not have experience doing that. she also doesn't get paid for it. Exactly. That's actually, before we jump into what we're talking about today, um, at the end of a piece of work she she gives a shout out oh she goes it's so many people i know she goes um she goes it takes a lot of people to make a podcast and granted it does but uh there's only four of us and we do it all so i was like i was actually like really after she listed all those names that go into the production of that podcast i was like really proud of us yeah. i was like yeah. wow me too well, like, <laughs> i was struck by that as well it was like 15 names yeah maybe 10 but a lot. Who are like yeah. professionals. Yeah. So like, 
and like get paid and shit. So, oh. so yeah, but in the dream, I, I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so today we're gonna talk about uh, the podcast series, A Piece of Work, with Abby Jacobson. It was I was so excited about this. Yeah, and it, it was, didn't disappoint. No, it was so great. I don't know. Before we dive in, does anyone have any fun anecdotes? You went to Hawaii, Nat. Yeah, I did. It was. A- very quick trip. Um, as my boyfriend pointed out, I was in Hawaii for less days than I was just in San Francisco. So oh. it was very fast, but it yeah. was good. Saw Fire some pictures beautiful. of you on beaches and such. Beaches, snorkeling, you know, all the all the Hawaiian stuff. Did you see any sharks? No, but I saw a manta ray. Oh, that's Ooh. cool. Yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, it swam under me. It was kind of scary. Whoa. Just kept thinking of Steve Irwin. Not that sure. I, like, Ugh. can't oh. not think about that when that thing's oh, like... Oh, yeah. yeah. What a way to go. That's a bummer. I know. I guess... You know, when you're Steve Irwin. Right. Death by an animal. Yeah. Family is living the thing legacy. Is, stingrays, like, fatalities due to stingrays are super rare. Right. Yeah. Like, and it got because it right in the heart. Them in, yeah. 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 Right in the heart. Yeah. Right in the heart. Yeah, because when I was in San Diego the other day, um, my friend who surfs was like, if you go in the water, like, shuffle your feet to kick up the stand, sand because that scares the stingrays away. But, like... You know, if they sting you, it's not that bad. It's painful, but you're mostly going to be okay. Yeah, it's kind of, a, it's on the same level as like jellyfish and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Unless um, it gets you in the heart. That's a dope photo. Look at it. Well, majestic <laughs> yeah. creature. Ooh. I'm not going to take credit. The uh, instructor, the tour guide offered to take my video camera down. Oh. <laughs> and she like dove. I couldn't well, dive that deep. That's great. But you could have taken credit for that, and I would have believed it. Oh, I wish. I'm not that badass. That's how you guys can probably hear this a little. Mm, sound of the ocean. The ocean floor. The race winning. Saw some turtles. Oh, oh I'll see turtles. Yeah. Every time I've been guys. snorkeling, I never really see anything that um, great. I'm Me also either. fairly convinced that I died via drowning in an ocean in at least one past life. So <laughs> I sometimes get a little nervous, mm-hmm. like going down under the the ocean and the pressure yeah and trusting the breathing apparatus it never seems to work properly when i do it my goggles always fog up really yeah. a lot i mean it's still cool but i would that sounds yeah. super stressful no i will yeah. say that is how most of my snorkeling experiences have gone this was the first time where i actually felt kind of like in control and yeah I don't know. I gained some confidence this time. I tried right. diving. I had never tried the just oh, diving yeah, yeah. down before. Yeah. I didn't have any sort of floaty thing. I just mm-hmm. had my little fins. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. There's something about this time that I, I was a little more confident. Because there sure. were definitely times where I, like, was in the water and would just, like, whip my head around violently. Like, there's a shark behind me. I know <laughs> I know he's there. I feel him. <laughs> Yeah. So, so crazy shark story because it was is it Shark Week or it was Shark? Week? It I was know, recently. Yeah, a few weeks ago. So I haven't had cable in like a decade. Yeah, me so either. I don't know. But I, I, don't I either, remember but someone was, was talking about like, yeah. oh, Shark Week. Like it's always the same essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I really love it. I don't know. Uh, so someone was saying that recently. But anyways, a friend of mine's friend who I have met several times in Oregon got bitten by a shark. Shit. Yeah. Great white. He was surfing. Indian Beach, for anyone who knows the beaches of Oregon, and he was like, his legs and most of his torso were floating in the water, and he had his arms on his board, like he was getting ready to, I guess, get back on or like paddle or whatever, and 
just all of a sudden felt something on his thigh and got pulled down, punched the shark in the gills. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gets back on his surfboard and just, I guess, adrenaline was just like, shark, and everyone's getting out of the water. And he's a trauma nurse. And so he instructed people on the beach how to tie a tourniquet around his thigh because his muscles were just, like, shredded in his thigh. That is the <laughs> craziest story. This Joe. You can look it up, Oregon he's shark attack. He's a real life he's a real, superhero. Yeah, he's a real person. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, That's I just crazy. heard that story. He's like, that is nuts. And not that I didn't believe my friend that told me, but then I looked it up on the news, and, like, it was all over the place, and... Yeah, it was nuts. So be careful crazy. out there. But also, it's very rare. Yeah. But, still be but also, let's stop <laughs> demonizing sharks because, oh, yeah. like, they're, yeah, it's a rare thing. Oh, and yeah. That's kind of the fault of Shark Week. It's like, Shark Week's yeah. made a lot of people think that, like, sharks are a lot scarier than they actually yeah. are. Yeah. And or it's that like, it's just, like, more of, it should be more of a fear. Like, that's what people get in yeah. life. Yeah. It's not even like when I'm in the ocean, I'm not even necessarily thinking about sharks. I just am thinking about things swimming beneath me that I can't see. And that, yeah. that un- unnerves me. Yeah. I Definitely. will say the, the moments when I did get a little freaked out was like when we, you guys know Molokini, it's like that crater shaped mass of land and you can't go oh. on it. Like you can't walk on it, but oh. the, it like connects down to the coral. So oh, there's just sure. like so yeah. many fish and shit yeah, living yeah. out there. And it's actually really sad. I kind of wanted to look up pictures of what it looked like before because you can just tell like most of that coral is just so dead. Yeah. And yeah. it's all fucked up mm. and people suck and whatever. But when you were in there, you're like kind of looking down at the coral and all the stuff. And then if you turn around, it's just like endless water. And you know, the way the like light shines through and so it creates mm-hmm. these like effects but mm-hmm. you just can't see anything it just like blurs out mm-hmm. and I was kind of like yeah. <laughs> like it just it makes you feel that like sense of being so small yeah and like if a shark did want to just come trucking out of the water there I mean I, there's nothing I can do I'm just I'm bait yeah there it is yeah that's, that's it that's just, my fate that's how it goes I guess <laughs> so anyway um <laughs> A piece of work. Piece of work. Piece of work. Nothing to do with. Yeah, it has nothing to do with sharks, but um, that's okay. Um, So if you haven't listened to A Piece of Work with Abby Jacobson, you should definitely get on that immediately. It's been at the top of the arts charts since it first came out. Um, It's a 10-episode podcast series with Abby Jacobson of Broad City, which, oh. if you're not familiar, you need to get on that immediately yeah, as no. well. <laughs> I guess that show business. so much is probably annoying, but no. it's just, it's a, a genius show. It's yeah. very quotable. We were quoting yes. it in... So much in Europe. In Europe, what was <laughs> the... One of Fook. <laughs> oh no, it was, was the... I can't... I can't pay. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, we probably sound real dumb. Yeah. But if you have, you're probably oh. laughing too. Um, but it's a great show. It's on Hulu, so you should, you have no excuse. You need to watch it. Yeah. But so what we're going to do, because we were obviously as Broad City fans and, you know, art fans, yeah. we were pretty stoked when we heard 
about this podcast. So what we decided to do is a kind of a response episode. We're Mm going to tell you our thoughts, what our favorite parts were, kind of just respond to some of the ideas that were brought up. Obviously, like, it's a 10-episode series, so if we talked about everything, we would be talking for, like, five hours. And also, what's the point? Like, go listen to it yourself. Yeah, we think you guys should listen to it, so we have no interest in summarizing the whole thing for you. Yeah, exactly. So... In general, what did you guys think about the way the show was set up, the purpose of the show? We should probably mention, too, that it was in collaboration with the MoMA in Mm -hmm. New York. Everything she talks about, yeah, is related to what the MoMA owns. So everything she talks about is, I think, owned by the MoMA for the most part. Yeah. There There may be a few outliers there, but for the most part, she's dealing with their collection and yeah, having special access to things that the regular museum goer wouldn't necessarily have. Like, yeah, and since we're dealing with the MoMA, obviously we're obviously we're talking strictly modern contemporary, yes. Yes. nothing yes. older than that. Right. So twentieth century forward. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was great, especially when you talk about modern art. And I've had a lot of people tell this to me when I've said, "Oh, I'm have been in art history," and blah blah blah. And a lot of people have the feeling of looking at art and being like, I don't get it, and then feeling stupid. Yeah. Or, like, they're not enlightened enough to understand it. And I think that's especially an issue with a lot of more modern and contemporary art, whereas you look at a landscape and you're like, I understand this. You know, there's, <laughs> there's the milkmaid and the sheep and the rolling hills of... Mm-hmm. Um, what painting are you describing? I don't know. Right perhaps a German 17th century peasant landscape. Yeah, um, I'm saying it. The milkmaid. <laughs> She said milkmaid, though. I went kind of Vermeer in my mind. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Northern European Renaissance landscape. I don't know. Um, So I think that Abby Jacobs, I'm just going to call her Abby because she's my friend. She's not. We don't know her yet, but we're working on it. I don't think she would mind. I think she would. Abs. I'm going to call her Abs. Right? RuPaul called her that, and I was like, you lucky bitch. Uh, But. The main takeaway that I had from her podcast was basically trying to explain the different kinds of modern contemporary art from things like minimalism to like abstract expressionist art in ways that people can understand it and being like, no, it's not meant to make you feel dumb. It's not meant to create some kind of inside joke that only a very small elite part of the population can understand. And also touching base on the whole thing of, like, my kid could do that, or, like, I could do that, and really delving more into the concept of, like, so much of art can be in the idea behind it, and not so much only the product. So I thought that was really cool, and I really think she accomplished it. Definitely. In a human, approachable, funny way. Definitely, and um, and we'll go more into detail, but just the people she had on the show, she mm-hmm. had amazing guests that yeah. we also, like Hannibal oh. Burris, Questlove. Questlove is oh. probably my favorite human. That was my favorite, but, <laughs> yeah. um, Like RuPaul. Yeah. Um, Tavi Gevinson. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive yeah. young woman. Yeah. She's amazing. Oh <laughs> right? my god, right? Her podcast is pretty good, too. It's geared more towards, like, I don't know, young adults, like... Kind of teenage mm-hmm. girls through young adult, but I still I enjoy her so much that I still love it. She's very well spoken. I was like, so this girl's twenty one. Like what? Yeah, right? <laughs> but yeah, just amazing guests. And Abby Jacobson would go would take 
these guests that maybe weren't nece- necessarily a part of the art world or super, you know, entrenched in the history of modern art and would like look at art with them. And they'd mm-hmm. have this very human dialogue, this very real experience of what it is to just go experience an artwork. And I loved that entire approach because even for us who have master's degrees in art history, we do have a vast amount of knowledge to pull from. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean we know everything about every artwork we look at. Oh, yeah. And we are just as likely to step in front of an artwork and be like, what's happening here? And like having to make sense of the experience with no background knowledge like and I think that's such an important aspect of Mm -hmm. experiencing artwork and Mm -hmm. the podcast just captures it in a very fun and engaging way totally and in addition to you know people like art historians and curators having their own separate like emotional or kind of intuitive experience with artwork rather than just a historical one like yeah yeah she does a good job of bringing in curators who do kind of you know curators or art educators or other people of that nature academics and they'll explain you know historically or sometimes they'll just explain their impression like you kind of get all of these levels of um, interpretation and she never ever poses Mm -hmm. one above another there's, she really works hard, I feel like, at um, kind of diminishing any sort of hierarchy of yeah, totally. knowledge about art, of experience about art, of different art forms. Mm-hmm. Like, it's she tries to make everything really egalitarian, and I think she does a good job. Yeah, definitely. And it's and it's fun, and it's funny, yeah. and which is what an experience to the moment should be like. Like, we pay money to go to these museums. Like, you should enjoy yourself, you for know? For sure, for sure. Like, it shouldn't just be this test of, of how cultured you no. are, you know? Yeah. And, like, I think the point was made in one of the episodes, too, where... And I kind of bounce between going either way, where, like, you want... Because whenever I go to a museum, like... Sometimes I go with people who love art and other times I don't. And I always just kind of like pay attention to how people process that because some people just go up and look at the image and they don't even really look at the wall text. Other people just like read the wall text. And some people go into museums and feel like, okay, I need to get every bang for my buck and look at every single fucking piece of art (laughs) that is in this museum. And they made a really interesting point about that. I think it was in, yeah, it was in the third episode. And they were talking about monochromes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, you know, obviously talk about Eve's Klein. And, um, you know, she made that point where, you know, you can go into a museum and you can just look at, like, one piece yeah. and look at it for an hour mm-hmm. instead of feeling like you have to cruise through yes. and, like, absorb everything. And I think that's such a great idea because especially me, I love museums. Like, I go to them all the time. I've always loved them. But I get museum fatigue. I get, like, overloaded. And... The idea of going in somewhere and just going up to something because it has some kind of connection to you, you look at it, it makes you feel something, it makes you think something, and just taking the time to observe it and, like, not necessarily worry about, like, what am I supposed to be feeling? What am I supposed to be thinking? And just feeling whatever you feel and looking at that. I was really struck by that because I've often felt that way as well, and I don't practice it as much as I should, perhaps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, if you give yourself the chance to go in a museum, preferably when it's not on a super crowded day, obviously, and you can just kind of, like, zone out and look at a piece, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a good thing to do, I think. Definitely. And um, kind of going off of that, I don't know if this was the one you were talking about because 
Questlove was on two episodes. Mm-hmm. He was on episode three and then the last episode, oh, really? yeah. which were both two of my faves, yes. faves as well. Yeah. Um, but on that same topic, they were discussing taking time and just looking at one piece and and like Questlove has a a print of an Eve Klein yes. that he likes to spend time with yes. which makes me very happy yeah. um and I also wrote here on my notes I wrote of course Questlove has synesthesia yeah right. um so like Questlove talks about how he has synesthesia and he like you know basically crosses music and mm-hmm. which I think might be one of the more common forms of synesthesia mm-hmm. um is music and visuals and yeah. so he sees like colors and things with music and I was just like of course he fucking does because it's yeah. like the most interesting yeah like yeah you know mental quirk and he's like the coolest person yeah. <laughs> kind of going off what Ginny said though he makes a quote at like um he's talking to Abby about this idea of taking time with art yeah. and and he says we need to learn to get bored again. Oh yeah. And I was like he said Fuck, Chris, Chris yes. Rock said that. I was like Chris yeah. Rock. Yeah. Chris yeah. Man. Yeah. Um so it's a quote by Chris Rock, we need to learn to get bored again and So true. It is so true. And Questlove kind of goes on a little like tangent talking about how you know, he's just He's obviously a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's always, you know, when when he's not doing something or engaged with something, he feels like that's a problem. But at the same time, like, like getting bored is kind of where the magic happens. Yeah. And and yeah. I actually, after that, ruminated on that idea for a while. And I've been thinking about it a lot and trying to remember, like, I, I had this moment where I was like, I don't, I honestly, truly don't remember the feeling of being bored. Like, because I always feel like, I, there's always something I should be doing or yeah, need to be doing. And the sure. feeling of being bored that I recall from childhood is that you don't have those responsibilities. There's very much this I want to be doing something. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I yeah. don't remember the last time I had that. Yeah, and yeah. so I like, I don't know, I've been thinking about that a lot of trying to connect back with my inner child that used mm-hmm. to always be whining about being bored and like Mm -hmm. wanting to go do things and explore things and trying to shift, I guess, the mental perception of like, because I feel like now when I get curious or creative, it, there's a sense of, I I need to, I have to, you know, whereas when I was a child, it was like, it was more, it was out of necessity. Like it was fun because it was the best option because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be bored, you know? So there's a different, a different, um, impulse there and a different feeling that comes from it so like I'm trying to get back in touch with that idea of just like letting myself go down whatever like creative path or adventurous path I want to go down not because I feel I feel like I have to because I need to be doing this but because that's just like because I'm bored totally you know what I mean Mm -hmm. does that make sense am I just no absolutely (laughs) no absolutely because I think like when we're bored, that's when ideas come around a lot of times, and that yeah. spurs on more creativity and imagination. Especially talking about being a kid, like being an only child, that would like yeah, you just I was to, bored all the yeah, time. <laughs> you have to rely on your imagination and being creative about things. And there's so much to that in terms of just I don't know, creativity and imagination are often things that we kind of lose in certain aspects of later adult life and I just feel like we need them yeah definitely and (laughs) and and doing it in a way that removes that pressure that like pressure of I need to do this because it's expected of me or I need to do this because society wants me to be creative it's like no you just as a child you just did it because 
it made you feel alive, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree. That was one of my that favorite episodes. great. Yeah. That was a good one. Yes. And I was just, like, the way they were talking about that color blue, I was just... I wanted at first to go, like, pull up a picture, and then I was kind of enjoying envisioning myself, like, the color that they were describing. Yeah, Does that definitely. Sense? Like, yeah. Because, I mean, we deal with this all the time. A podcast about art can be a little complicated because you're talking about something so visual, but the fact that it forces you to describe things in such mm-hmm. a visceral way sometimes exactly. is, like, a very welcome challenge. So it's kind of nice to hear someone else doing that, like, yeah. describing something that you almost can't describe yeah like, color yeah. is almost beyond description yeah I don't yeah know. she did and she did such a great job yeah at that throughout I mean because that episode where she was mostly talking about artists who worked with light like Terrell mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. at the beginning of that episode is describing it and it's just done so well yeah it's yeah. done so well in a way that's just like really visual and so easy to follow. It's mm-hmm. very visual. So that's the next episode, episode yeah. four. Yeah. Which was also probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, was, I was thinking of you. She opens it describing a Terrell, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I was walking around um, listening to, when I was listening to this episode, I was walking around just in my neighborhood at night. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And I was walking around listening and I was definitely like a couple glasses of wine deep at the time. And this episode opened and she describes this Terrell in in a very, like, clear visual way, but there was, like, just enough emotion that, like, Mm -hmm. it brought me to tears. (laughs) And I, like, started crying, and I was like, I know this is partially the wine, but also I adore Terrell, like, so much. So I I can relate to that experience in a very real way because I love his work. In terms of the work that Abby Jacobson did in this podcast, I just thought that was a brilliant moment from her. Um, It was very, it was just a very cool experience to hear verbalized. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. And then also moving throughout the rest of the episode, Abby goes into a Terrell with Samantha Irby. Yeah. And they have a very fun time. Yeah, (laughs) that was great. I want to go there so bad. I know. Oh my god. I'm actually really mad. Okay, so I have been in Terrell's like that. Um yes. there was there was the one at um LACMA, mm-hmm. but I was at MoMA PS1 like oh. in July. I was there for a whole day, like for warm up, like getting drunk and there was like a there was it there were DJs and stuff, and, like, we went and looked at some of the art, but I didn't realize oh. that there was this, like, really important Terrell there, yeah. and it might be one of my greatest regrets, so I have to go back to Momo PS1, because totally. um, I, like, I, I don't know how I missed that. I yeah. feel really dumb. The De Young has a Terrell out in the oh, sculpture yeah. garden. That Terrell I've spent a lot of time in. Yeah. That one. Because it's, that one's a little different. It's a yes. skyscape. It yeah. doesn't have the light, but he uses natural light. Yeah. And it's a... And the space itself is... Crazy cool. Yeah, it's a very beautiful experience. I've I've been to that one quite a few times. I think that might be the first Terrell I ever went to. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they they just had a had a blast um, like in in the Terrell, which is just a fun a fun experience to listen to. Mm-hmm. And then later in that episode. Abby meets up with uh, Dan or Flavian Judd. Yeah, with Donald <laughs> Donald Judd's son. Oh, just Flavin. 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 Yeah, it's Donald Judd's son, Flavin Judd. Who is named after the infamous light artist Dan Flavin and his dad, the infamous minimalist artist Donald Judd. And I was like, that is the most 
crazy way to come into the world is to be named after the two most just like high art kind of like I mean a lot of people considered their work to be somewhat inaccessible or like you know like like and you're named after both of them (laughs) it's like what I know that was a trip yeah Flavin was a very nice dude though and he was in a little bit of a smug is that weird no, I don't think it's weird at all, and I also don't, I don't blame him because his name is yeah, Flavin Judd. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't go as far as to say that I thought he was like rude or like. I don't even know that I'd say pretentious. He just was but just definitely like, it was just smug. Normal, you like, know? like it's just my childhood. It's like okay, yes, it was just your childhood, but you should also recognize that your yeah, childhood was, yeah. was a little a little different from yeah. many people listening. Yeah, to you. you need to recognize you've had a very interesting existence. Yeah, yeah. he acted like it was a weird question yeah. to be like. Yeah, I don't know. and he was talking. I think it was in the yeah, it was in the next episode on minimalism yeah. and how the term um, like his dad mm-hmm. considered it to be so problematic. And that it was created by art critics. And I was I was kind of like, I had mixed feelings about that. Same. Because most of the terms for different art movements came out of criticism yeah. by art critics. Yeah. And I think there's something to, like, embracing the term and being like, yeah, you know what? Sure. Yeah. And I don't, I'm, but then on the flip side, I got his point of being like, if you call something minimalist, then you aren't able to see all of its possibilities. Yeah. But it, it it raised an interesting kind of debate in my own head. I thought so too, because what came to mind was the whole pointillism thing yeah. and how I had learned. Philism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned in a class that pointillism was not a term created by anyone who was using the technique, but they called it divisionism because it was oh. a division of lines, whatever. So in that case, I was like, okay, I think that's fair to be like, it's not this, it's this. Yeah. But I was like, well, they're saying it's not minimalism, but then they're not trying to give us another description. So it's like, to me, it just felt a little like, I don't know, just trying to be difficult almost. But I agree. (laughs) I think it's important to mention, I think he says in more or less words that to call it minimalism is to reduce what it is. You're making, you're calling it a reduction rather yeah. than, you yeah. know, understanding all of the nuances nuances and depth of it. Right. But, like, then do better and describe it better. I don't know. I, I mean, I totally see what you're saying. I think this is also just the age-old debate between yeah. the artists and, like, the art historian is, like, what an art critic or an art historian does is they try and define visual art. That's that's what they do, so it can be explained in some way. And then the art itself obviously is never going to perfectly fit in any definition mm-hmm. given to it. The same yeah. way a human being will never fit into any definition that you, you give about them, but that's just what the human mind does is yeah. we try to create distinctions mm-hmm. because we that's how our brains work. They, they work in terms of definition and pattern. Yeah. And so it's basically like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Minimalism doesn't say what the art is, but like it has to go in a group. You know? Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. has to go in a group. That's a group it's gone in. Yeah. So that's the way it is. And you that know? shit goes back like centuries. Exactly. That's <laughs> all literally our all art movements. Yeah. We talked about it in the Impressionism episode. Yeah. Impressionists didn't like the term impressionism. Yes. Uh, uh fauvism. Um, it started as an insult as well. Yeah. Like this Baroque. is Baroque, misshapen yeah. pearl, <laughs> mannerism, like all of that. Yeah, shit. it all came from people who didn't like it. 
And that, you know, it's just the way it is. Not saying it's, like, wrong or right. Not saying it could be. But it, it's just such a circular yeah. debate. Not yeah. to say that it's not worth debating about it. Yeah. I just was like, huh. That's but it's just, like, at, yeah, at the end of the day, it's going to have the same outcome. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, we understand that a term can't embody everything about a specific work of art. We yeah. all know that. If you don't know, like, we get it. Like. Yeah. That that should just be baseline understanding. Right, I feel like, right. but we these terms have been created to try and make sense of the work right. in a certain way. Yeah. And you can disagree with it, but that doesn't mean the term doesn't have merit. Yeah, you know exactly. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting episode. Also, like minimalist. Well, I guess that was. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. There was the light, yeah, the light art episode yeah. and the minimalism yeah. episode. <laughs> um, so the minimalism episode, I think minimalism is a very contentious mm-hmm. um, art form for a lot yes. of people. Like, a lot of people just don't – they just won't even take the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. they, they just, get angry. Yeah, they yeah. do. Like, <laughs> and they talk about that in the podcast, yeah. too. Like, you have people's reactions, and it's like, whoa. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think she summed it up nicely when she explained that people sometimes see it as anti-art. So yeah. people see it as, like, inherently aggressive sometimes, and I think that's maybe why they get so aggressive back. Yeah. Not that I think that that's an appropriate reaction yeah, necessarily. Yeah. That's not my reaction. But, no need uh, to fight the art. It's but, not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that uh, that makes sense to me and why I guess some people get so mad. Is yeah. They don't think that it's like attacking art in a way or insulting art. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah. Also in that episode, she talks to Joe Bear, oh. which mm-hmm. was like a really good conversation. Yeah. So Joe, Joe Bear is a famous quote-unquote minimalist artist and she tells a story about how when she was making work a lot of times the reason she did so well is because she had a unisex unisex name you know so there wasn't people didn't know she was female and then there were two instances in her life where people actually once they realized she was a woman sent the the artwork they had purchased back to her i know right like it's like a level of misogyny that I had not yet encountered. Not, not a level that I had encountered, but an exact situation that I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, how do you rationalize that in your head? Explain that one to me. I know, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> I really can't even... Like, oh, a, think a female person did this? Yeah. Oh, you have a vagina? I don't want this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no. You <laughs> must know nothing about yeah. shapes. <laughs> this is now shitty art, and I no longer find it aesthetically pleasing, even though I did like it enough to purchase it in the first so, place. <laughs> but her attitude about it was so cool, yeah. and I like that she mentioned at a certain point that her work is essentially non-gendered, that there's nothing masculine or feminine about it in any way. Yeah. And I liked that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. kind of like pushing that aside, because that does come up a lot in art, like masculine, feminine, themes, subjects, styles, what have you, colors. Yeah. So the fact that she was just like, nah, (laughs) not even going to deal with it, there's no gender, 
It's yeah. just artwork. Yeah, exactly. And what'd she say? And she said, it's genuine and it's good and that's why it's lasted. And Fuck I was yeah, like, <laughs> you are. Get it? You are. Fuck yeah, Joe. You are all of it. <laughs> what a boss. Yeah, she talks to She's some great awesome. artists on this podcast. Yeah, she does. So many of and them. And they're so excited to talk to her, which is so cool. Yeah. I just. She talked to our to our girl Yoko. Yes, that like that was good. Yeah. Um, episode six. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, oh yeah, her uh, Carolee Schneemann, and then mm-hmm. um, yeah. she talks about Yoko. Yeah, and piece. Yeah, that was the performance art episode, which was great because even as an art historian, sometimes performance art, I'm like, I don't know yeah. about it. Like some of it, I'm like, yes, and then other ones, I just it's been the harder medium for me to get into and I feel like she approached Abby approaches that kind of general consensus that a lot of people don't get it or they don't like it or they're like "Ah, how is this art she really approaches it in like a pretty thorough and informative way of talking about the different kinds of performance art and how those a lot of like artists like Carolee Schneemann and Yoko Ono like push the envelope in that way and it was cool that she had RuPaul on that episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was perfect for the, yeah. for the performance yeah. episode, for sure. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that was a fun one, and, like, listening to them, like, watching yeah. Joy together. <laughs> so, uh, I like that they actually recorded them watching it. Like, yeah, that, that was, was the call. perfect way to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think both, like, the interview with Carolee Schneeman and then the discussion they had about they had a discussion about Yoko Ono's cut piece, which and we, they watched that one while they recorded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about that one on the podcast previously, yep. and I really enjoyed listening to the reactions of it. How shocked and like appalled <laughs> they were when the dude like cuts her yeah. bra strap and stuff. Yeah. Like they were like pissed about it. I was like, yeah. 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 It, I and have- they like experienced those feelings of being. Um, being violated that I think are so central to that word. Totally. Yeah. I have written in my notes, quote, it was a dick move, end quote. <laughs> yeah. It was a dick it move. It was a yeah. dick move. They said <laughs> it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely a dick and move. And that honestly, like, I mean, I've talked about cut piece in classes. I've talked about it with you guys. I've like talked about it at like in parties. Like it's come up a few times in my life. And like, it was so different hearing someone else like watch it and react to it that Mm -hmm. way like I don't know how else to describe it but for some reason it made me think even more about how much about the human condition that work says and yeah it's like it's a very important when they were just like you know that that guy's there and that guy's always gonna be there and she was counting on it and it doesn't I don't know so cool yeah listen to that episode guys that's good and so much performance art since then has been based off of cut piece it's yeah one of the most important performance works of all time. And yeah. most importantly, they mention how it's ridiculous that Yoko is considered to have broken up the Beatles yes. and how this performance, which was, as Corey said, like a huge turning point in art and like, or just like a monumental point in art and performance art. And it happened before she ever married John Lennon. Yeah. So, yep. you know, come on guys. Respect. Think, think about it. Yeah. Educate yourself. The next episode was the episode on film. Mm-hmm. We got Hannibal Burris again. That was the second <laughs> episode he was on. So there's two episodes with Hannibal Burris who we all also yeah. 
love. He did, he was on the first episode where they talked about Marcel uh, Duchamp. Duchamp. Duchamp and ready mates and humor and art, like Dadaism. And, yeah. and I think they picked up on a lot of the things like we've been saying about Dadaism. Yeah. Like this, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Hannibal Burris said they were like trolling the art world yeah. and I was like yeah because we talk a lot about how like memes are the new data yes. and there's this yeah. very interesting like interaction of like yeah trolling and um but I also really loved how willing Hannibal Buress was to just like appreciate Marcel, du- Marcel Duchamp's work he was like yeah. okay he's like He's, like, versatile, and he was, like, because yeah. people shut down at Duchamp a yeah. lot of the time, and, and like, the concept yeah. of ready-mades, For people sure. shut down, and, like, Hannibal was, like, Okay. Like, <laughs> he was, like, not about to hate on it. He was, like, yeah. ready for it. And no, I thought that was His really good. whole fucking journey through understanding Bicycle <laughs> Wheel or just understanding Marcel Duchamp as an artist was awesome because he really did start with, like, why can't I spin it? Like, he wanted to spin it, and then at one point he said that looks like some high shit. And, you know, yeah. he might not have been wrong. Yeah, you put a fucking bicycle wheel on a <laughs> stool and spin it while you think. Like, yeah, that does sound... That sounds, that sounds like a legitimate response. Yeah. And, but you're right. He totally uh, was open, like, a fucking vessel to everything yeah. that he had to say. And just kind of, I don't know, I feel like for people who don't know much about Duchamp, it's like you get to kind of learn along Hannibal... Yeah, and for sure. I don't know, yeah. And that's a perfect place to start. I was actually super excited just as, like, a nerdy art historian that she started with Duchamp because most people consider, like, modern art to kind of start with him because yeah. he was really, like, the first, quote, not the, I mean, he's largely considered the first, like, conceptual artist and, like, that he just turned the art world on his head throughout his career. So, I mean, there really was no better place to start. True, in yeah. my opinion. Wise and, and yeah, yeah, it was. I, I totally agree. He shifted the art world in like such a real way. But at the same time, for people who aren't familiar with art and art history, you know, it's crazy with Duchamp because he's not a household name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's yeah, like right. if you ask someone with very little knowledge of art history, they don't know who Duchamp no, is, and it's, it's hard. like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it takes exactly it takes some thought. You can't yeah. you can't really buy a Duchamp like print and put it on your wall. Like that's not really a thing that people do. It's yeah. not like Andy Warhol. Yeah, so they do in an episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. Do we want to yeah. talk about the Warhol episode? Yeah, sure. Um, that was an interesting one. It was an interesting one because all right, so. Obviously, like, totally fucking love it. Abby Jacobson and Tavi Gevinson, like, great. I, I did enjoy listening to them talk about Warhol. However, I'm going to have to kind of be on this, like, I, Tavi Gevinson mentioned how, like, she oh, yeah. she really, like, appreciated Warhol and stuff, and then she feels like she talks to older people, and they're just like, no, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, like, there's something that, like, she might be missing there, and I'm going to have to, I don't know, I'm going to have to pay the, preach, I'm going to have to be the old lady <laughs> here, I guess, because, um, to an extent, I get it. I mean, I used to be a lot more into Warhol. I um, I had a, a Warhol uh, planner one year oh. that was actually really cool. It had, like, all these prints, and it had all these, you know, mysterious, like, cynical-ass quotes from Andy Warhol in it. But it was, like, dope. I loved it. Like, I was definitely a lot more into him 
you know, maybe when I was like 2021 20, yeah. type of thing. I don't know. We've kind of touched on it a little bit in this podcast. Like, yeah. he was kind of problematic. He was kind of a hack. He was kind of, granted, I'm not saying he didn't do anything of merit. He did. Right, he right. did important things. Right. And there are certain works of his that I do appreciate just For aesthetically. Sure. I appreciate yeah. a lot. And, and I think there was a lot to bringing attention to consumer culture and things like that. And they bring up, they bring up how he, the way they, okay, so like the way they talk about him is that he just wanted recognition for his work. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was like, but no, though, like, like, yeah, you're right. Like we do all just want recognition for our work. There's nothing wrong with being an artist and wanting recognition for your art. And there's nothing wrong, like if you make something and you want, like wanting recognition for it is totally legit. And I... I agree with that statement, but I feel like with Andy Warhol, it was way more complicated and a little bit more slimy than that. Yes. Um, it wasn't, and, and yeah, and I agree with the idea that some, like, because some people will come at the subject of Andy Warhol as being like, you know, because he wasn't like the struggling artist right. that was just doing it for the sake of the work, he's not an artist. Like, that's bullshit too. Yeah. I yeah. agree. But... But it it was different than just wanting recognition. For oh, yeah. his work. And, and I think they made the point too that he wa- he was one of the first major artists you can think of that was like so famous, mm-hmm. and he wanted that fame. He entirely yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a question of whether or not those Campbell soup cans were really worth that much fame right? and that <laughs> much money. Like, were they worth that? Right. I. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, no, that was that was interesting because I think people have a lot of different opinions on Andy Warhol, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it depends on generation or what, but I've never. I, I, yeah. I just yeah, I have mixed feelings. <laughs> I think I have mixed feelings about him, and we we touched on it a little bit in our um, Basquiat, Basquiat episode. episode. Yeah. I think yeah. he's. I think he's a very complicated and fascinating character. Certainly. I will give you that one hundred percent. And I have like, the life to prove it. Too. Yeah, and oh I'm. God. I'm looking forward to doing a future episode on him. Oh, I for think sure. He's incredibly fascinating, but the quickness to just yeah. just be like Andy Warhol's great. I think is is also yeah. Well, and I will say I definitely like what stood out to me in that episode was how Abby Jacobson herself was relating to Warhol so yeah that yeah, also, I remember that. yeah I think that maybe ha- mm, like put yeah. a different spin on it that she wasn't necessarily like maybe meaning to like place him on a pedestal so much as you know she points out that he was an illustrator first and then he right. had a tv show and she's like hey like yeah. that's kind of weird <laughs> like you know I think she's just she has that perspective, which kind of shifts her mindset and sure. maybe, you know, having the illustration thing in common, like, you know, yeah, because... Which was, in terms of the podcast, I agree. It was an yeah. interesting, it was, a, it was an interesting moment in the podcast because I think, I mean, it's partially kind of what we try to do here is, like, understanding art does come from personal experience. Mm-hmm. And if you think you can be entirely, like, I don't know, trying to be entirely objective about art and artists is stupid. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's dumb. Like yeah, you should, possible. you should try to connect with them and try and express those ideas. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I really appreciated 
seeing her make those connections mm-hmm. in her head of right. like how she relates to Andy Warhol. And, and in general, it's it's not a super critical podcast. And it's yeah, yeah. because it is so right. like limited, you know, ten episodes there. And the, the longest episodes, one, yeah, yeah, is like twenty four minutes. Yeah. And they go all the way down to like fourteen. Like yeah. they're not it's not a ton of content. So she's obviously being choosy and choosing to talk about things in a positive light. Definitely. So yeah, it told I agree with you guys one hundred percent that there there were critiques that could be made about Warhol that weren't, but I also think it was if we had to nail it down, it would be more in the camp of just not addressing the problematic things versus trying to like talk him up in a way that he's not, if that makes sense. For sure. I like just, just leaving leaving it out more definitely. than Definitely. I yeah. think I think my big thing, I've been trying to like work it out in my head as we're talking about it. Um, with Andy Warhol is he's such he is the like pop culture icon. Oh, totally. He's yeah. such an icon. And I think with pop culture icons, even though, you know, he started as a pop culture icon in the sixties and seventies, we're very quick to just accept them as icons. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think there's a lot of that, especially with like younger audiences and thinking about thinking about my Andy Warhol day planner and stuff. <laughs> like, I think it's really easy to just be like, oh, this guy was cool in the 60s and he's did in the soup cans and in the 60s are cool. Yeah. yeah, he was cool then. Yeah, exactly. And he's so cool now. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. I think it's really easy to just just take in Andy Warhol and just, like, adopt him as, like, mm-hmm. um, as important or valuable mm-hmm. without really, like, and once again, I'm speaking from personal experience without mm-hmm. really fully taking the time to understand him or his work, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, and if if at the end of the day after you, like, take the time to really, like, spend time with his work and you still love it, more yeah. power to you, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, um, well, and that's the paradox of Andy Warhol, too, is that... His work is visually easy digest, easily digestible, so people gravitate toward it, and they're told that they should like it. His pancake is playing possum right now. <laughs> He's a sleepy boy. No. He sleeps like a little crescent moon. He does. <laughs> totally. That's so fucking awesome. We so just disturbed him. He's um, like, guys. But I did actually want to, before I move on, I did, I wrote this down in my notes. I wanted to ask you guys, because they talked about the accessibility of pop art, which I think is an interesting concept. How accessible do you guys find pop art? (gasps) Accessible how? Like, just in general, like, mm -hmm. as an art form, like, do you think it is a more accessible art form? Or when you just hear that phrase, accessibility. Yeah. My gut says, yeah. I think that especially compared maybe to more um, to art movements prior to pop art. Like, pop art is was so reproducible, and, and just the, the scale that it was made on and the materials that it was made from were kind of, in a lot of ways, more cost-effective, and they were, I think, just had higher visibility. Yeah, the reproducibility of yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. So in that way, I think they're very accessible. However... Like, what about yeah. conceptually, though? Cause, I know. Because I agree. Exactly. Yeah. Like, there's something very accessible about them, but I also think part of their appeal and their allure, like, going, like, if you're thinking Andy Warhol, like, the soup cans, like, a soup can, just a picture of a soup can, yeah. isn't particularly interesting on its own no. unless you're willing to attach some conceptual meaning to it. Right. And that idea isn't 
super accessible. But right. you don't have to go that far is why I think it is accessible. And that is because part that of is its appeal. Is yeah. that you you recognize it and so you technically don't need to do more than that. Yeah. Which is That's I think true. how most people approach Andy Warhol. You don't yeah. really need to know much more than what a Campbell's soup can is and who Andy Warhol is and yeah. you feel like you're in the know. That's true. Compared to someone yeah. like Duchamp who you know, he's not trying to make people feel stupid, and I think Abby Jacobson does a great job of explaining how really he's making fun of the art world, and really he's laughing with the viewer, but you have to understand that, and if yeah. you don't, then you feel like he's making fun of you, and he's, you know, definitely elitist, and so it's pretty horribly ironic, honestly, when you compare the two. Yeah, I think, I don't know, it's weird, because I... You're totally right. I definitely agree. I think I think where I get kind of like lost in it is maybe it's just more of a personal trait is that my approach to art is and always has been looking for deeper meaning. And I mm-hmm. think before going back to me as, you know, like younger me who was a little bit more apt to just accept with Andy Warhol, yeah. um, I think I, I maybe operated in this belief system that there was always something deeper going on with his work. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. so to me, that means if you just, like, accept that straight off, then then to me it creates, like, a conceptualism similar to Duchamp. You know yes. what I mean? But I don't know if I created that for myself or if it actually exists. You Who know? knows? Honestly, I think people could debate about it. I bet they have and they will. Like, yeah, that's- right? I don't know. Just kind of, it's something. It's just a thing. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What else do we have to talk about? about the emojis episode. The emojis episode. Is, that's episode our return of Questlove. Oh. Questlove I, and Paula Antonelli. Oh, she was the coolest. Oh. All, the, all the curators that she talked to on this podcast were Great. They seemed so but lovely. But Paola was just a bundle of Italian joy. I loved her so much. I loved her. had such a cool approach in talking about, like, putting the original emojis in the exhibit and things like putting video games in fine art museums, which is fucking dope. Yeah. Keep doing it, Paola. Like, and the fact that they were talking about that, and I think Questlove made the point of being like, okay, was it controversial? And it's like, yes. And that in and of itself is so much of the point. I know. Yeah. So much of the I point. Think Did it spark debate? If the it answer creates is yes, discussion. Debate. Like, exactly. Yeah. So that was, re- repeat that because there, Questlove has an amazing quote yeah. in this episode. He said, he basically says what Jenny said about. I totally paraphrase it. No, 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 but oh. you were right because whatever you yeah. use, I think, is what he said first. So, um, does it. He just said, like, did it create controversy? Yeah, did it create controversy? Yeah. Does it start, does it spark debate? Yeah. Like, is, if yes. it's doing that, then yes, it's art. And he, I, he says it so succinctly. Like, he really just, he asks the question, he says, if the answer is yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, I think I wrote it down, actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> the exact quote. If I had to ask, is this allowed, then mm-hmm. it's high art. Yeah. And that was the quote by Questlove. And, and he was I, talking about music and stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, he was talking. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. He was he was talking about um, albums and stuff he's yeah. listening to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's his definition of high art is he, if he has to ask himself if something's allowed, then that makes it art. And I love everything about that. Yeah. And I love everything about Questlove. Uh, uh, come on our so show. Wise. Oh my god. <laughs> I love him so much. So cool. He's so yeah. cool. So that episode wise all at once was one of my favorites for yeah. sure because of him and because of that curator and just. She was so excited about like video games and yeah. code and stuff, and, and I was like, "Yes, should be in museums, right?" The people who make those graphics are artists, and we've talked 100%. about this kind of loosely before. That like art can fill into so many different categories other than just you know painting, sculpture, printmaking, drawing. Yeah, like, it is so much bigger than that. Especially the further along we get in terms of what we're capable of doing with coding and algorithms and like graphic design and all of that and there's I just see no reason why it shouldn't be yeah in a museum and also like I've kind of talked about this before and the thing with emojis is I read this article a long time ago well like a year ago maybe and it was basically talking about how in terms of the evolution of our language is like we started with symbols and then yeah and then they turned into letters and then turned into language and now we're reverting back to very similar symbols. Yes. Like they are pictorial symbols yeah. that mean things. And and it's it's taking on a life of its own where a combination of three emojis can mean something all its yeah. own. It's becoming its own language. And if you don't think that is some kind of beautiful human art form, like, I'm sorry, but yeah. you're missing the point. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and I loved Abby's take on it where she was like, her biggest issue with emojis is that they weren't, like, specific enough to how she wanted them to look. (laughs) And that's so perfect. As an illustrator, she's basically just, like, you know, I understand visual language to the point that, like, emojis make me mad because they're not what I want them to be. And, like, that, that's perfect. And I like that they talked about the trajectory of emojis being customizable. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Personal. Oh, they they talk about bitmojis too. Yes, and I yeah. loved I loved that Questlove was super into bitmojis. <laughs> yes. That made me happy. <laughs> I know. Um, because and they are super bitmojis are super important because they play with self image because you totally. de- you design your own bitmoji yeah. and Questlove mentions how bitmojis are powerful because you not only see a person's representation but you see what a person thinks of themselves. Exactly. And I was like. Damn, yeah. like, it's so true. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Totally. You know? It made me feel a lot better about like the scary black mirror idea that eventually we're all just gonna like be avatars. <laughs> like I was like, well, Questlove is coming to peace with it. Oh man, black mirror Maybe. will do you in. It really will. Great show though, but in a good way. Question everything. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, but yeah, that episode was Can Qu- fantastic. Questlove, will you just run for president? Can you like be our oh. leader? <laughs> he's, he's too. He's just, I just, oh, I love him so much. I know. Um, What else? There's one last. There was one other episode. Oh, the writing on the wall. Yeah. Text art. I love text. Me too. Me too. I mean, last summer when I was working at the De Young, the main exhibit was Ed Bruchet, and Mm -hmm. he's all about text art, prints, paintings, just words. Sometimes they're just street names. Nice. Rancho. Rancho Boulevard. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. No, so, I um, yeah. 
Jenny Holzer has been one of my favorites for a very long time, and her stuff is pretty much purely text, mm-hmm. you know, in different scenarios and in different ways. Sometimes she's had exhibits where she's done, you know, um, illuminated text on yeah, buildings. Yeah, I love Tracy. Yeah, yeah like, they're just, she also has um, a, a whole um, installation in the sculpture garden at the Walker in Minneapolis where mm-hmm. there are these... Uh, benches and mm-hmm. it's just like her text art on top of them yeah like these yeah. really interesting beautiful poetic phrases yeah. on yeah I think she's amazing and I think text art is super amazing because to I don't know to claim that words aren't visual is also yeah. stupid yeah you know? <laughs> typography hello yeah, yeah. no totally and I mean I, especially from our perspective we write about visual material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is such a natural and beautiful interplay between text and image. Yep. And then bringing that together in a, like a totally visual way is just so cool. And yeah. the, like, the text enhances the image and the image enhances the yeah. text. And both of them can like kind of interplay off of each other yeah. and create something you know, that can be really emotional and evocative. It is such a, exactly such a natural relationship. Yeah. Yeah. In this episode. And then also in an earlier episode, episode seven as well, they talk, um, or Abby Jacobson talks to Martine Sims. Yes. Who, oh my God. She is amazing. (laughs) She's so cool. And I like spent some time watching some of her work last night and I'm going to go a lot deeper into it. We should, she lives in LA. We should try and get her like on the show. Oh, she's, that'd be amazing. You imagine? she's so cool. And her work is really interesting mm, yeah. and just friggin' dope. And um and they're talking about in this episode, so they she's in the film episode as well, because a lot of her artwork is is film based. Um and they talk about in the film episode, they also talk about Howardina Pindell, who we definitely need to to spotlight yeah. quick, um, totally. who did Free White in 21, yeah. which yeah. was a very Chilling. important, definitely, yeah, like very important film piece. And yeah, it, exactly. It's chilling and it's kind of awful, but it's, I mean, not kind of, it's really awful, it but awful, it's, but um, well it's done. important. It's important and it's yeah. powerful and it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And Martine Sims is, is inspired by Howardina Pindell's work, but, among many other yeah, artists. Yeah, but I like the way that she described how it took her so long to hear about her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sam yeah. says that, yeah, it, she wasn't really aware of her work for so long, and then had one of those moments, as many artists do, where they discover a work that they're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm almost like a direct descendant of this person without even knowing them, which That's is just... So cool. Which happens a lot in art, like a crazy yeah. amount. Um, and there are also, with Howardina Pindell's Free White and 21, there are a lot of response works to it, just like mm-hmm. on YouTube and stuff. Oh, like nice. people have, yeah, who have done response that. versions yeah. of it. Um, so definitely look into that. But yeah, Martine Sims amazing contemporary artist out of LA. She's like 29. She's like our age and she just does really provocative work, but she's also really cool and really yeah, chill. Super down to earth, she yeah. had like the best vibe and um, they were talking about text uh, art and brings up the idea that like symbol, like textual symbols can also be aesthetic. Like they're yeah. not just letters. Like they mm-hmm. also have have a an aesthetic an aesthetic existence of their mm-hmm. own. For sure. So with text art, like 
I mean, sometimes it is about what the text is saying, but a lot of times it's about the visual expression of that text as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, there's there's such an important interplay of how words work and how visual material totally. works. Totally, yeah, totally. Um, and how words are visual material. Yes, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. She kind of, she has these, like, uh, overarching questions for each episode, kind of. Like, they just, they come up at different points, but, you know, she's... They're thematic, so she does bring those up. And in this one, it's, can just words be art? And in my mind, I was like, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> like, yeah, hands down, no debate. Like, uh, yes, 100% just words can be art. Yeah. And that was probably the easiest question she asked. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're getting on, like, an hour here. Is there any other moments from a piece of work we want to touch on real quick or any any closing thoughts we had? Um, you I'm need just, to go listen immediately. Yeah. Like, we barely, yeah. you know, yeah. got Overall, into it. fantastic. Great guests, great artists. Um, lots of really quality interviews with a wide range of different kinds of people that all kind of contributed to this educational but, in like, fun podcast yeah, it was a it good was, time yeah, it, was it was a good, good time. it was good I was really like there were multiple times where I was like really jealous that I wasn't in that room like probably yeah. the whole podcast I was yeah. like really jealous I wasn't I in that room. I was I like I just want to be there right yeah. now yeah so many Abby Jacobson got to have so many cool experiences just talking to these artists oh, and know. like she got a lot of behind the scenes material and yeah and yeah it was cool to hear her tell her whole story too which we didn't really get into at but she talks about her kind of relationship to art, which is a lifelong relationship. She talks about how it's kind of started in childhood. She comes from a family of artists, and it's just I didn't know all of those details about her life. I knew that she was an illustrator. I didn't yeah. know she was a illustrator with a degree. Like yeah. I didn't realize that she actually went to art school and like that that was a point in her life. And I also liked when she talked about how people assume that she is yeah. Abby from Broad City. Yeah. yeah. Because obviously her character from Broad City is based on her, but they're not the same person yeah. per se, you know? Yeah. And she kind of talked about how there's an interesting intersection there where people just assume that whatever happens on the show is yeah. representative of right. her real life. You but know? she's also that making herself so visible to society. So vulnerable. It's terrifying. <laughs> well, and she's also, she's so humble about, or not even, humble's not the right word. I'm trying to, like, almost gracious about where she is. Yeah, definitely. I forget which guest it is, but someone basically, I think it's RuPaul, is like, well, people come up to you on the street, right? And maybe it's not RuPaul. I don't know. Someone is talking about how people must come up to her all the time in New York now and be like, Abby, oh my god, da da da. Where's Alana? Yeah. Yeah, and she, in, in response, she's kind of like, yeah, well, yeah, that is kind of how it is. But she doesn't, she's not, like, angry or, like, upset about it. She doesn't feel slighted. Like, you can tell she's kind of, like, aware of the way that she's opened herself up to people. And I don't know. She's, like, patient with the fact that people think that they know her or, like, yeah. want yeah, to totally. approach her like they do. And she doesn't get too worked up about it. It's almost like yeah. she understands. like her even more. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's... she's She's forgiving of people for doing that. Like, she understands. And I thought that was cool. Because you don't have to. Because that has to be super annoying. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah. No, it's super great series. Super cool. 
I'm really glad they did it. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad we. To listen to it. Yeah, you you should listen to it, and I'm glad we got to talk about it in yeah. response. And mm-hmm. I I think it's really cool. So head on over to iTunes and check that out. Let's do a couple quick listener mails. Certainly. All right, we have a message from Jacqueline, and the subject line is "Thank you." Hey, babes, I just wanted to thank each of you for this podcast. I listen to y'all when I'm in my studio working, and it's so rad to be able to freshen up my art history with such knowledgeable and fun women. I'm also going back to school for both art history and sociology, so this has been an amazing asset. Cheers, Jacqueline. That's so cool. That is so cool. cool. Art history and sociology are a great combination, BT dub. Mm -hmm. Like, you can do a lot of really interesting things with that. Also, love that you consider us an asset. That, <laughs> like, whenever people, I don't know, like, because this is so, I mean, obviously, a ton of work goes into this, and yeah. like, we work really hard on our research, but it's also really fun. So, when people use us as some kind of a resource, like, that's yeah. like the nicest thing mm, ever. We really appreciate it. Crazy cool. We got another one from Tamara? Tamara? Podcast? Tamara. Tamara. <laughs> uh, podcast imitates life. Ladies, I was out doing some errands today, accompanying, accompanied by your podcast about your European travels. You got to the part about Charlemagne Palestine, and I thought, hmm, that sounds entertaining. So I popped the info into Google, and I found I was literally two minutes by foot from the exhibit. Did I mention I live in Paris? <laughs> well, I had a lovely visit and took a few pictures before heading out to finish shopping for the day. Thanks for the fun detour. I've enjoyed hearing your experience of my adopted city. I've made a point of visiting an inordinate number of museums, activities, restaurants, festivals, and other assorted quirky locations here, but it's nice to know that even after six years, I can still be pleasantly surprised. Sincerely, Tamara. That's Aww, super cool. That's really nice. Yeah, I'm so wow. glad. Like, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, because we it was such a happy accident for yeah. us to come to stumble on it. So I'm glad you got to experience it as well. It's a super fun exhibit. If anyone else is listening and is in Paris, they should also yeah. check it out at the no, Jewish Museum. Hopefully, it's still up. I mean, well, it was today. Oh, sweet. Eight, eight hours ago. <laughs> okay, well then it's still up. It's Go still up. It. Go check it out um, at the Jewish Museum. Um, let's see, those are short ones, so let's throw one more in real quick, because we have so much listener mail. Okay, let's do this one. Do you want to read this one, Jenny? Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, I can read that. I don't have my glasses, (laughs) but I can do it. This is from Gabrielle. Hello. Oh, subject, Hieronymus Bosch. Oh, I bet I know what this is going to be about. Okay. (laughs) Hieronymus Bosch, maybe? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, hello. I love you guys heaps you're so cool i listen to your podcast with a glass of wine while i make dinner and it's absolutely fabulous i'm not sure if you'll even read this girl we are um (laughs) but i just want you to know that i love you and you're amazing i'm pretty sure i've emailed before to say the same thing but i don't care girl we love it all um also i've called you girl a couple times girl Um, (laughs) i do have one request Hieronymus Bosch is one of my favorite artists, and I was wondering if you haven't done one already, if you guys could do an episode on him. That would be awesome. Peace out. Okay, peace out. Gabby. (laughs) Thank you, Gabby. And that is a great recommendation, and we also love Hieronymus Bosch, and that can certainly be one on the docks. Yeah, I feel like we talk about him all the time. He's he's definitely a favorite of every one of us. I have a a future tattoo planned inspired by Hieronymus Bosch. 
Also, he's our Facebook account name. Yeah. Is I was worried you were going to disclose yes. that. I almost said it, and then I was like, is that a secret? Yeah. No, it's fine. If you want to Facebook friend us, find us, Hieronymus Bosch. <laughs> that's us. Um, yeah, we love him. He's such a fucking weirdo. I love him so yeah, much. Yeah, um, fantastic. So he is definitely added to the list. Um, maybe we'll push him up a little bit. Yeah, if you guys have requests, whether they're on our list or not, like, send them to us, because when people send us requests, we kind of push them up in importance because we know you guys want to hear them but thank you for that super sweet message and you can email us as often as you want like it just brightens our day and we really appreciate it so thank you all so much for listening to this response episode you got to go check out a piece of work um if you have questions comments anything Email us at arthistorybabes at gmail.com. You can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash arthistorybabes. Uh, Just a quick thing, we're going to start doing little bonus episodes for all of our lovely patrons on Patreon. So if you donate, you will have access to monthly mini episodes from us um, that no one else will have access to. So uh if, vip vip exactly and some like back like behind the scenes bonus fit footage as well so if that interests you go to patreon.com slash art history babes donate whatever you can we sincerely yeah. appreciate it we're not um, asking for big bucks necessarily no you you will have access with any donation no matter the price yeah. so um anything is welcome and appreciated uh, write us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We love them. Check us out on all the social medias. We're there. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. From Quoting yes. it in so much in Europe. In Europe, what was the one fook? Oh no, it <laughs> was, was one. the I can't. I can't pay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>